0: The Ashrei Psalm is so important that the Talmud tells us that one who recites it three times a day, meaning one who recites it three times a day and understands its implications, will earn one's portion in the world to come. And it is because of this Talmudic statement that Jews became regular Ashrei sayers in the first place. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 233, Clear as a Jew in Ashrei. I'm Meir Soloveitchik. Last year, an interesting and amusing headline appeared in the Wall Street Journal, which read, Designing a flag for Yiddish takes chutzpah. It described a question faced by an online app dedicated to teaching foreign languages. Quote, To access courses in French or Japanese, users of language website Duolingo click an image of the French or Japanese flags. When the website decided to develop a course in Yiddish, it found itself in a pickle. What flag should represent a language whose speakers have long been spread around the globe? An online survey collected ideas from the public. Some of the recommendations seemed a little mishuga. We did get suggestions of Jewish foods, like, oh, just put a bagel on it, which I thought was a bit kitschy, said Mina Viswanath, one of the contributors for Duolingo's Yiddish course. Someone else suggested the word kvetching, written in a circle. Yiddish, the everyday language of Jews from Eastern Europe, has no widely accepted flag, and some symbols that have come to represent aspects of Yiddish culture, like a peacock, aren't familiar even to many Jews. As interest in the language grows, Yiddish groups that want to capture public attention with flags and logos are finding it difficult to settle on one. End quote. It is a fascinating article, and, as I wrote in commentary, the discussion is intriguing because it inspires the inquiry. What makes Yiddish unique? If every language has its unique character, what exactly characterizes Yiddish? Obviously, the Israeli flag would symbolize Hebrew for a language app. So what symbol would be chosen? that embodies Yiddish. While I will not take a position on what symbol should be chosen for Yiddish, I will suggest today that the nature of Yiddish can be found in a Yiddish phrase about one psalm that is at the heart of the morning prayers, a psalm whose words help define Jewish life itself. Psalm 145 begins with the words, Tehillah David, praise by David. But the psalm is often referred to as Ashrei. Because in the Jewish liturgy, several verses are appended to its beginning and end, including, Ashre Yoshveve Techa Odya Yelucha Sela. Happy are those that dwell in thy house, they shall praise thee still. This is one psalm whose entire significance is utterly impossible to capture in the English. I will cite some verses in English and then explain what I mean. I will extol thee, my God, O king, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. This is the psalm, but here is what is missed when we read it this way: The psalm in Hebrew is an alphabetic acrostic following the order of the Aleph bet. Thus, the first verse of praise, "I will extol thee," begins with an Aleph aroimicha elokai Hamlah The second is Every day will I bless thee, Bechol Dor Vador, and that is Bet. The third, Great is the Lord, is Gimel, Gadol Hashem Umulhal Ma'od. And the fourth, One generation shall praise thy words to another, is Dalid, Dor Lidori shabach Ma'asecha. This psalm, or Ashrei is part and parcel of the P'sukei Dezimra, the verses of song and psalm, said every morning in daily prayers. And it is considered by the Jewish codes to be the most important one of them. But Ashrei is not only said in the beginning of morning prayers, but also at its conclusion. And then the Ashrei psalm introduces the afternoon service again. What this means is that Psalm 145 is one which Jews knew better than almost any other one. And it is with this in mind that we can appreciate an endearing Yiddish idiom. When one wishes to say that something is clear, obvious, well spelled out, one can say, Klor viayid in Ashrei as clear or well-versed as a Jew reciting Ashrei, Because Ashrei, Psalm 145, was said so often, even the most unlearned Jew would know every word. That Jew would not need to skip over any sentences out of uncertainty. Every single sentence would be clear, remembered, and lovingly repeated. The recitation of this alphabetic, acrostic psalm thus introduces for us a symbol that is at once simple and sublime. The Jew, every day, will use every letter available to engage in praise of God. And we must note how different this psalm of praise is from so many others that we have seen before, especially those of Hallel, the psalm set on the holidays. I'm grateful to Rabbi Yitzchak Blau for referencing in an article about Ashrei a comment by the 19th century Rabbi Meir Simcha of Dvinsk, who noted the profound contrast between the Halel psalms and the verses of Ashrei. Recall the chapters of Halel, which we have discussed in previous episodes, which go out of their way to mark the miraculous. Thus, Psalm 114 When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea sought and fled, the Jordan was driven back, the mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. What ailed thee, O thou sea that thou fleddest, thou river Jordan that thou wast driven back, ye mountains that ye skipped like rams and ye little hills like lambs? Here, The focus is on disruptions. The sea was driven back in the Exodus story, and mountains trembled during the Sinai declamation. But that is not the focus of Psalm 145, which thanks God for everyday life. Indeed, that is one of its earliest verses. Bechol yom v'yom Every day will I bless thee. And the alphabetic acrostic is central to this theme. In Rabbi Blau's words, Ashrei stands as the centerpiece of psuche de zimra, and therefore must refer to the regular rhythms of nature. Rabbi Meir Simcha argues that the careful pattern of beginning each verse with the subsequent letter of the alphabet conveys the theme of nature's regularity, end quote. Hence, the Yiddish phrase, Chlor v'ayidin Ashrei" captures, I think, the essence of Jewish life and the wonder that is the way Jews lived throughout the centuries. They were in exile, so often surrounded by anti-Semitism, and yet they still utilized the letters of the Hebrew alphabet to praise God and to praise him not only for, say, their synagogue, or for their ability to perform ritual acts, but also for life itself. The Ashrei Psalm is so important that the Talmud tells us that one who recites it three times a day, meaning one who recites it three times a day and understands its implications, will earn one's portion in the world to come. And it is because of this Talmudic statement that Jews became regular Ashrei sayers in the first place. The Yiddish phrase, clear as a Jew in Ashray, captures as well, I think, something about Yiddish. The Yiddish scholar Max Weinreich has argued that the language reflects what he called the Dera Hashas, the way of rabbinic Jewish life, by which he meant that Yiddish describes every part of the world in a manner that somehow links back to our love of God, to our service of God, to terms from Judaism itself. Yiddish phrases apply words from Jewish law to all of existence. The writer Michael Wex has similarly argued that the Talmudic manner of speaking and thinking was, quote, the womb and long-term gestational home of the language that was waiting to happen, a language that couldn't help but be born. From a linguistic point of view, he continues, the Talmud is nothing less than Yiddish in utero. The Jews who initiated the transmutation of German into Yiddish were those Jews most deeply connected to Jewish law, people for whom the categories and mental processes of halacha, of Jewish law, were practically second nature, end quote. This is why, so many Yiddish phrases, which are describing events or environments that are not ostensibly about Judaism, refer back in some way to Judaism. Bill Bryson, in his book on the English language, notes how in English, quote, we can distinguish between continual and continuous, sensual and sensuous, forceful and forcible, childish and childlike, masterful and masterly, assignment and assignation, informant and informer, end quote. Yiddish does not have distinctions such as these. But its uniqueness can be found in the fact that it has so many incredible metaphors, so many similes, and exquisite idioms that reference the rhythms of Jewish liturgical and legal life in order to describe other aspects of existence, thereby connecting Judaism to daily life. Writing in Commentary Magazine about Yiddish, I listed some of these examples from Weinreich. For example, when one wishes to say in Yiddish that something occurs often, anything, one says, it happens, yeder mantug und donnerstig, every Monday and Thursday. Because the Torah reading in synagogue takes place every Monday, Thursday, and Sabbath in order to ensure the constancy of Torah study. In contrast, when something occurs rarely, one would say that it happens every Yor mitvah, every year and a Wednesday, reflecting the tradition of the Talmudic age, that a wedding would take place a year after a betrothal and that Wednesday was considered the best day for the wedding to take place. Because in Ashkenaz, Jews wore a talis, a prayer shawl, only after they were married, one would say in Yiddish that we have so-and-so amount of talisim, and one would thereby be giving the amount of families that exist within a Jewish community. These examples are by and large given by Weinreich, and they embody how prayer and holiness became ways of describing every aspect of the world, family, nature, calendar, patterns, events. So that Jews applied their sacred concepts to the world, thereby showing God that they were grateful for life itself and for the opportunity to sanctify every aspect of it. It is with what we have said thus far that we can now look at one interesting aspect of the Ashray Psalm, which has been discussed for millennia, which is that while the Psalm is indeed an alphabetic acrostic, one letter is skipped. There is no sentence beginning with a nun, yet there is no explanation in the Psalm for why this is so. For the rabbis, the hint, to an explanation, is found in the verse that follows the missing one. There is no Nun sentence, no praise beginning with that letter. And so, following the sentence that begins with Imem, Malchutcha Malchut Kol that kingship is forever, we have a sentence that starts with Samach. Hashem Lechol Hanoflim, Lechol The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The phrase all that fall in Hebrew is kol "hanofelim." Falling in Hebrew is nofel, a verb that begins with a nun. Thus, this sentence in the psalm, the Lord upholds all the nofilim, implicitly informs us for the rabbis that the absence of a nun sentence indicates that there will never be an ultimate nifilah, downfall, of the Jewish people, and that Israel will endure. The appellation applied to this psalm, Ashrei, means happy. And calling this psalm Ashrei tells us perhaps that the possibility of seeing sanctity in the regularity of life is the very source of Jewish happiness. And it has been so despite the difficulties that so often surround a Jewish existence. That is why, in my view, no matter what one utilizes to symbolize the Yiddish language, the fact is that the suggestion mentioned in the journal that kvetching could represent Yiddish misses the point entirely. Isaac Bashevis Singer, in his Nobel Prize address, said the following, quote, In spite of all the disenchantments and all my skepticism, I believe that the nations can learn much from those Jews, their ways of thinking, their way of bringing up children, their finding happiness, where others see nothing but misery and humiliation. To me, the Yiddish language and the conduct of those who spoke it are identical. One can find in the Yiddish tongue and in the Yiddish spirit expressions of pious joy, lust for life, longing for the Messiah, patience and deep appreciation of human individuality. There is a quiet humor in Yiddish and a gratitude for every day of life, every crumb of success, each encounter of love. The Yiddish mentality is not haughty. It does not take victory for granted. It does not demand and command, but it muddles through, sneaks by, smuggles itself amidst the powers of destruction, knowing somewhere that God's plan for creation is still at the very beginning. End quote. Thus, the Yiddish phrase, clear as a Jew in Ashrei" captures something about Yiddish, but also something profound about Judaism throughout the history of the diaspora, both among those that spoke Yiddish and those that did not. And the story of Jewish endurance is also captured in the fact. Ashrei has no sentence beginning with nun, no reference to downfall. The exile of the Jews did not bring about the downfall of their faith. And throughout the generations, our ancestors embodied the ability in the face of so many challenges to continue to speak with love, to sanctify life, to maintain their faith, and to continue to say Psalm 145 three times a day. This is Mayor Salavachek, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.